You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justin Mosqueda, and I'm joined here by Evan Tex Western. Save it to the people, Tex. My friend, they did it. They got the one seed. This, this is real. It happened. The playoffs willed, run through Lambo. We willed it into existence. We made it happen. Oh. No losses in Lambeau the entire year. Now we get a home crowd for every game. I can't remember. It feels like I just completely lost sense of time. What were the playoffs like? They, they had fans in the stands, but it wasn't filled, right? Yeah, I think that was still last year in those games. They had the, the small sections of like local first responders and people. Um, I mean, a couple thousand fans in each of those two games, but it was obviously nowhere near full. So to have, you know, it'll be the yeah, first full playoff game since Seattle two years ago in the divisional round. And they, they talk about that the whole time. I mean, I don't yeah. know if that's been like an internal narrative for this Packers team, but everyone who was up on the presser today was talking about, yeah, we get, you know, fans in the stands for these playoff games. So that seemingly, you know, is going to be a big factor compared to, to last year. Yeah, um, I think Rogers even mentioned too that he's hoping that they get some true Wisconsin Lambeau January weather too. Um, because last year in the conference championship, it was not a cold, chilly Lambeau game. Um, and I, I certainly think that probably did help Tampa a little bit that uh, it wasn't traditional playoff Lambeau weather. Yeah, I think you, you would think, yeah, a team in what Tampa, Dallas, uh, Phoenix, and Los Angeles, you, yep. you wind up playing in the cold. Oh, yeah. A night game exposed to the environment, all of that. That yep. seems like it would help out them. Make them tackle AJ Dillon in the cold, the snow, and, and just break their will to live. This game was very odd from the jump. By the way, the Green Bay Packers won. They smashed uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I don't even know the score because the score doesn't really matter. Um, Sean Mannion played, and then Kellen Mond played for three plays, and then Sean Mannion played again. That didn't really <laughs> make sense to me. Zimmer, after the game, they asked him about Kellen Mond, who's you know, their rookie quarterback. Um, Zimmer was asked, uh, do you want to see him play next week? And he said, not particularly. And they asked him why. He says, I see him every day. Boom not roasted. A, whew, not a not a stirring uh, review for your third round pick. No, I mean, he's getting bullied a whole lot more than uh, Love did when, when Boyle was over him on the depth yeah. chart last year. Um, there was an umpire that went out in this game very early on, got checked into the blue tent. Um, I, I was scrambling to figure out like what that means. I'm like, what is the umpire? I know the umpire is the guy who throws holding flags. Basically. I, I knew that um, it, it's more so like in college where they're like right over the ball too. Um, the, the, at the NFL level, the umpires are behind and to the left of the quarterback, basically in the backfield. So they watch like holding for uh center left guard, left tackle. And then, you know, like uh, tight end or whatever's out there. So one would think that like maybe they would be able to get away with a couple more holding calls or something like that, but I, I didn't really notice anything out of the ordinary in this game. I don't I don't think that extra ref going down really made a big difference. 
No, there was nothing egregious. Um, I think there were more missed holds in the Cleveland game than there were in this one, especially on the, that Cleveland offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Quickly, I guess let's go over who was kind of in, who's out in this game. Jair Alexander got placed on the uh, reserve COVID list um, like right before game time. It was like after they had already dropped the inactives. I believe. Yeah, it was like 10 minutes later after um, they had already ruled him out. That was kind of weird. Yeah, that was odd. Um, there was a Darius Smith report uh, by – I can't remember who it was. It was from NFL Network, though. Garofalo, um, I think. Yeah, that's who it was, um, who said basically, you know, Zadarius Smith is in the building. Um, there was apparently, based off of what Garofolo was saying, like some weird like uh, COVID protocol stuff going on with Zadarius because at the time he was unvaccinated. And every time you like leave the facility to go back somewhere else, there is then like a time frame that you have to like be isolated once you return back to the facility. So like bouncing in and out of the building wasn't helping Zadarius's case at any point. Yep. I guess Zadarius is now vaccinated, but he was on the sideline with a mask. So I don't, I don't know. It's hard. The to only, yeah. What I'm thinking is that maybe he's in that, like that four week window after you get your second dose where like unvaccinated protocols still apply. But then once that time runs out, then he's good to go. That's kind of where I'm, I'm thinking, especially with Garofalo saying that he fairly recently uh, finished getting vaccinated. So we'll see. Um, yeah, hopefully the next couple of weeks he'll be clearly um, clear out of that protocol and uh, he'll be good to go. You know, if his, if his back allows. There was no like big injury that really held anyone out other than, you know, Bach and Billy Turner still aren't on the field. Um, Tyler Lancaster was the only guy who was listed as anything other than out on the injury report. And he ended up playing. Uh, he was questionable um, for that back injury. Uh, Kingsley Kiki, uh, did not get cleared off of the uh, COVID reserve list. So I would assume Lancaster ate a ton of those snaps. I'm assuming Lancaster, despite that back injury, was still just way up there in terms of, you know, career or season highs for for snap counts. Seemed like I saw him a lot. And there were a couple of times where he flashed a little bit, um, you know, penetrating in the run game. Um, I, I saw TJ Slayton on the field, I think, on the very first defensive series, too. So um, it'll be interesting to see tomorrow morning when those snap counts come out, where those two guys shook out. The uh, Packers very slow start to this game. <laughs> so, shockingly, right? Yeah. Um, Domovsky tweeted out they've been outscored by 36 points in the first quarter entering tonight. Fifth worst in the NFL. I think they had, what was it? Three trips into the red zone and yep. they came away with six points in the first three drives, um, which included like a weird bobbled snap. By Bohorka. Bohorka has had a tough night between Ooh. the bobbled snap and the shanked punt. Um, yeah, that was that, ugly. Yeah, he. Uh, what a wild ride of a putter, right? <laughs> you you think you like this guy just goes back and then he just boots the hell out of the ball and it's like, well, sometimes you get like a ten percent chance he's going to shank it and then like every other like PAT or field goal, there's just something weird with the operation. The highs and the lows are are it's quite the roller coaster ride with him. Um, and yeah, I think his his one went 22. He only punted twice in this game, and his other one was like 39 yards, but that was, you know, that was with the Packers at the plus 40 and ended up going into the end zone. So certainly not a good day for his net. And uh, yeah, I, I had initially thought watching it live that that was a bad snap on that first field goal. No, it was, it, it got him and he just straight dropped it. 
And kudos to Crosby for putting a little hitch in his step and his approach and being able to slow himself down enough. And it's a good thing that was only about a 30, 35 yard field goal, because <laughs> otherwise, you know, you pushing that past 40, that that really messes with you. So thankfully, it was a little bit of a chip shot for him. Yeah, I mean, that was like all ankle strength from Mason. I mean, I yeah. don't even know if he could get his leg into that thing. It, it was a weird shot, too, because they did, you know, the the like Madden angle, basically, where it's like behind the kicker for it and it was such a wide angle that in real time you couldn't really tell what was happening other than like wow that took a long time for it to get off of mason's foot you know so i had to like slow it down on my damn youtube tv i got it down to 0.25 speed so i could take a little clip of it and put it up on twitter but he clearly like he catches it he puts it on its side and then he's like oh crap it's happening and then like just scampers to get it out and but he got the laces out so thankfully i mean more uh uh hazard pay i guess for him yeah. but like that's never what you want to see ever really what you want to see the ball also came out a little weird like it didn't come out straight it was like fluttering it's, mm. it, it looked like a duck you know like okay so maybe, maybe there was a little bit on wordle for the the snap then then it was there were a lot of weird yeah. things early on in the game <laughs> where i think like people were like oh this is what a ball feels like in like minus five degrees or whatever it was when you figure, uh, Bohorquez has done this before, right? I mean, he he mm-hmm. punted in Buffalo the last couple of years, so it, it would surprise me that he would be that surprised by it. Um, Wordle, who you know, I think he was in what LA earlier this year. The right. Packers got him off of. Um, I don't know where he's been before then, so maybe there was a little bit of that with with him. But yeah, I was I was surprised that Bohorquez seemed to struggle as much as he did, given the conditions. Borges play or uh, Wordle played college at Iowa State. He was mm-hmm. on the Lions practice squad week one through 17. So if he, he's not on the road, they have indoor practice facility, I think the Lions. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how much, uh, you know, weather he's, he's really getting. Um, after the game, they all talked about, you know, are they going to play this next week? I think us in the APC chat just it assumed like, you're not playing these guys like these right. are, this is this is kind of weird because the Lafleur tree from like a sports science standpoint I would say definitely branches off of like what the Rams have done um and the Rams were really aggressive in terms of like if we have nothing to play for right now like we just aren't going to start again like that's how yeah, Sean Manning down. got that's how Sean Manning got his first start in the NFL <laughs> was you know off off of the bench you know week 17 or whatever it was um for the Rams so between that, between like how many like veteran rest days they give guys, um, they seem to be very cognizant of like the wear and tear of an NFL season. I would have just assumed that like week 18, you're not going to play guys if you already have the one seed locked up. But Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams both said in the postgame presser that they wanted to play at least a little bit. And then LaFleur said, quote, my gut says these guys are going to play a little bit, unquote. So I would think that they're probably going to give Devontae a shot to get the uh, season-long record for receiving yards. But yeah, as soon as he breaks that record, like, pull everyone, man. Like, get him Absolutely. the record and get the hell out of there. Yep, yep. Yeah, there's no – I know Roger said that his toe felt good today. He didn't have to you know, have it shot up or anything again. Um, it sounded like he was pretty optimistic about, with a couple weeks off, it being almost 100% by the divisional round. Um, so with that in mind, I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't just let him rest next week, 
but yeah, it sounded like he wanted to go out there and, and the Lafleur was prepared to, to play his starters for at least a little bit in that game. So fingers crossed that, uh, the Detroit doesn't, you know, have any, any issues because I'm trying to think back where it was, was Detroit where Rogers got concussed in 2010. I think it was on that Thanksgiving so. game, uh, that, that Flynn had to come in and, and they got taken to the woodshed in that one. So now I will feel much more comfortable uh, next Sunday afternoon when we finally see Jordan Love take the field. Yeah, as soon as Rodgers takes one hit, I mean, Twitter yep. is just going to be ablaze saying, like, yeah. why Why did we do this? Why did we expose ourselves? <laughs> we, we literally gained nothing from this. Um, yeah. I understand the, like, two weeks rest thing, but, like, they've just played 16 need, games. They've he just doesn't need those games. reps. He doesn't need the practice He doesn't reps. practice. He doesn't need the game reps. Yeah, what do we – there's, there's no reason for this. And I, I am not worried about rust whatsoever. I mean, this team starts slow in the first quarter anyway. So, okay, fine. They do it again and they just come, you know, break the doors down in the second quarter and, you know, put up 30 points. Fine. Whatever. That's fine. My bigger worry, if I were the coaching staff is like, where are we pulling these players off of the bench from? Because there's so many guys who, I mean, I guess the COVID reserve list now is very small. I think there's only two guys on it, right? It's Kingsley key, or I guess three now with Jair. Kingsley Kiki, yeah. Jair Alexander, Amari. and Amari Rogers are the last guys who are on it. But I mean, we were at a point where there was like what, like twelve dudes, I think, on the list. Or earlier this week, yeah, I think even like what, what Wednesday when they put another five or six guys on there, we were up to yeah, 12, 13, 14 guys, I think, between the active roster guys and the injury reserve guys. And you think about what you get forty six plus two call-ups from the practice squad, not including whoever you move up right from for covid reasons um that's not that many bodies if you're gonna bench the entire starters after one half a play or something like yeah. that or one quarter even you know like yeah. what are you gonna you're gonna make uh tj slayton play every single down at defensive like that doesn't make sense like get, get someone else out there but yep i i don't know maybe it maybe it is a numbers issue in terms of bringing guys up um just overall thoughts on this game do you have anything else before we get into uh vibe checks yeah, I think um, it was it was weird again. The red zone performance. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Zero for three in that first quarter. Um, going for it on the fourth and three on the second drive, I think. Um, and it looked like they were. You know, I think he went to Adams in the corner of the end zone on that fourth down, and looked like maybe he had a, a little bit of hand fighting between him and Mackenzie Alexander. But um, I think that's that's still the thing on offense that you really would love to see them clean up is to to get that consistently back, you know, 50, 60 percent, especially considering they were so damn good at it last year. I mean, they basically set a league record for, you know, touchdown rate convert or conversion rate in the red zone. So that's the one, you know, we'll get into the vibe checks, but that's the one area where I think I'm most concerned on offense. How many weeks has it gone since we've seen that like uh like the touchdown he had, uh, Devontae Adams had against like the Rams, right? How many yeah. weeks has it gone since we've seen like that level of creativity near the goal line? You know, I mean, they yep. they got they punched a couple in. AJ Dillon got two rushing touchdowns. That was nice to see because you know he's an inside runner. Um, but we haven't seen like the tricky dicky stuff that you know they've kind of been known for. Yep. Yeah, I feel like there was maybe one in that Ravens game um, to Adams. They got him loose on a little bit, but. Yeah, it, it really just doesn't feel like it's been there the last couple of weeks. So that would be something that I would hope that the coaching staff would do a little self-scouting these next two weeks and, um, you know, try to try to draw up some more fun stuff for 
getting close to the goal line. Yeah, hopefully they're just holding it for the playoffs. All right, uh, we'll take it to break, and then we'll come back with the vibe checks. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we're back. All right. So the first thing that I noticed offensively, Marquez Valdez-Scaling is playing. He is not starting on the field. Equinemius St. Brown was out there. That first drive was very weird. Um, They had... I think they had rotated in like uh, Winfrey in like there was at one point where like <laughs> Equinamia St. Brown's second or uh, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling's second snap came on Jawan Winfrey's first snap, which is like, okay, what are, what are we doing here? I don't, I don't understand why they were switching in so many guys at the beginning of the game, other than <laughs> like maybe causing like trying to sink in doubt that like MVS wasn't healthy, but then he ended up playing for most of the game. So it was very odd to me. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um, I did notice they started, I think the first snap came in 12 with yep. uh, DeGuara and, and Mercedes on the field. Um, but yeah, it, it, it did seem like a little bit of a weird substitution pattern those first drive or two. And they do that sometimes, but it's not usually like the first drive. Like yeah. a lot of times, I think we've talked about this before, like they use Tyler Davis on like drive starters just to like, use his legs up a little bit and then let someone else play. Um, but I didn't get that with the MVS thing. I mean, one of their first plays was like a shot to, uh, to Devante again, which is, I love it. I love the uh, just early first drive. Just we're going to take one shot to Devante at least. Yep. It's like, okay, that works. Yeah. It, Rogers was funny talking about it too, that he, he apologized to Tom Clements because, you know, the old quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator, hit one of his three rules and, and major don'ts was don't ever have a predetermined read. And Rogers even joked that he's like, I want to take a shot to Devante on this first series. Um, so kind of going against his, his old QB gurus advice, but obviously it worked. I mean, he had two of them on that drive uh, to say that, that really opened it up right off the bat. Um, so, I mean, it, it was great to see those guys in sync early. Um, I didn't, I don't think we had really any major misfires from Rogers when he was targeting Adams. And we certainly didn't get any drops from Adams in this game. So it was nice to see those guys fully back on the same page and, and clicking again today. Yeah. Devonte got 14 targets, 11 receptions, 136 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. I mean, he was just eating all day to the point where like, you started wondering in that first half, because I think he had 100 yards in the first half. So most of the so. yardage came, yep. you know, early in the game where you're like, does, I mean, Zimmer's played against these guys. It's not even like a have you watched film. It's like, 
You yeah. played against these guys. Why are you just like singling up Adams? Why aren't you rotating everything to him like you know everyone else has this season? Well, and I couldn't believe it that they they had him on that first drive one on one coverage against Chris Boyd, literally a, a cornerback I bench. had never heard of. Yeah. Um. That that seems like a recipe for disaster. Not good. Not good. Um. Deguara dropped a touchdown early on yeah. in the game. That was one of the uh, failed drives. I, I thought he was going to get ripped at, but they cut away, so we never got to see if Rodgers was actually yelling at him or not. Um, wasn't was not good though. He made a couple plays yeah. after that, but not not a good sign for a tight end one as it stands right now. Yeah, the, the whole Rodgers Deguara thing is has become a bit of a meme, and it still it still makes me laugh every time he does something that's slightly disappointing or significantly disappointing, like that drop in the end zone. Um, the whole APC slack just explodes with, oh, nope, DeGuar is going to get it again after this play when he gets back to the huddle. So it's uh, that has become one of my favorite stupid things um, it, during the game lately, these last you know several weeks and months. And Mercedes, Mercedes didn't get a target. Yeah. Dominic Daphne got one target, couldn't come up with it. Um, Tyler Davis actually led the team in receptions at the tight end position with two because DeGuara also had two and they combined for 20 yards. So they got 20 yards of production out of tight ends. It, it was more of a run game. I mean, obviously they had uh, 30, 30, or, yeah, 32 carries, 174 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. You love to see that, yep. but they got, they're going to have to get production out of these tight ends at some point on third down. Cause if not, you're playing 10 on 10 on 11 football with a back, probably in protection the way that, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to play. So that that's the bigger concern for me. Yeah, the one interesting thing that I spotted was they they used Tyler Davis for the first time on that that play action split zone look on that Deguara play where he leaks out across the formation. They finally did that for Tyler Davis for the first time. I think he picked up like eight or nine yards in a first down on that play. So um, if they're if they're kind of using him in that way, maybe they do have a little bit of that, um, you know, that depth of skill sets more so than we've been thinking that they've had all season is if they're running the same types of plays between him and Deguara and even Daphne a little bit, um, you know, maybe those three guys are kind of rotating through um, similar positions and, and you can use them a little bit more interchangeably moving forward. And that's the thing we've always said about Tyler Davis is not necessarily like a value judgment on like, if this guy can play, cause it's important to do that on an individual level, even relative to like what a guy came in with in terms of like expectation right so like russell douglas comes off of a practice squad he's a pro bowl alternate right now so you can't judge guys off of that so you want to judge tyler davis off of what he does on the field the problem is he hasn't been on the field very often for green bay which isn't surprising for a practice squad tight end who came in and was like the fifth tight end when everyone was healthy and then he didn't have very much production either you know in the nfl preseason or at the college level because of the offenses that he was in and just kind of the situations he was at so we're like learning about Tyler Davis as the NFL is learning about Tyler Davis kind of at the same time. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Learning about not just, you know, what, what he can bring to this, this offense, but where he fits in the offense, you know, what, uh, what, which of those tight end roles that, you know, the Packers have that they've had multiple different guys playing those different roles all season long. You know, if he can, the more of those roles that he can play, the more snaps he's going to see. And I think the more targets he's going to end up with the next you know, couple of weeks and hopefully into February. Um, they had that third and one run out of the gun. It was just a mm. basic inside zone. 
Mm. And Newman just AFK. He just AFK, just let the guy <laughs> in the backfield. Um, I, I, who is it? Uh, Dennis Kelly was like asked to block two guys, basically, or it, it might have been the center. I think I it was Patrick. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the two was basically how to block two guys in short yardage. And that in the gun, like, I understand you want to like have a constraint and be like, we can still run out of the gun with AJ Dillon. You have to respect it on third and one, but like, goodness gracious the quality control coach who said we have to uh have more runs in this situation out of the gun give him a different job for a week my my first thought when they lined up in the gun was please don't run it out of the gun like it, just just it's it's aj Dillon. just go on or at center. least don't don't run it at newman's side yeah yeah at that's the very it. least <laughs> run behind yeah. runyon yeah his name has run in it oh and forget runyon was a beast today I mean, he was paving yeah. paving the way big time for Dylan, especially on those inside runs. Um, at least one of the touchdowns, he had just a, a, a damn near pancake. Um, and yeah, he's I'm I'm very pleased that uh, he, he's a guy I've I, I planted my flag on him on draft day, um, leading up to draft day. I mean, um, Peter Bukowski and I were both big on him just based on the measurables. He fit all of those you know Packers offensive line. Uh, targets and um, it's it's nice to see him really coming into his own over the second half of the season. Runyon is doing good enough that it wouldn't surprise me. And this is 2022 talk now, but you know, if the team is in a position where they have to let guys like Billy Turner go to keep Aaron Rodgers, to keep Devonte Adams, to get Jair Alexander on another contract, right? It wouldn't surprise me if a guy like Runyon was able to play like right tackle or something like that. You know, he's doing well enough that I think at at least warrants, you know, some sort of competition where you're like, well, we have Runyon and Jenkins and there's no reason why both of these guys, like one of these guys should be on the bench. Like, let's find a right tackle. Let's find a guard. These two can play football. You know, Agreed. Yeah, I think in my mind, the more likely scenario is probably Jenkins kicks out to right tackle and you keep running at left guard. But yeah, both of those two guys are absolutely among the, you know, three or four best offensive linemen when this team is at full health and they both need to be on the field. Is Alan Lazard wide receiver two now? Yep. I think he might be. And it yeah. he warrants it. I mean, he's doing enough. Like he's running these crossers over the middle of the field and he's outrunning safeties to the spot and he's making tough catches in tight window. So you can say he's not fast. He's fast enough to run past the safety. And that's what they're asking him to do right now. Yeah. And if you can do that and also be the blocker he is in the run game, what more can you ask from a receiver in this offense, in this, this LaFleur scheme? Um, He's now up to, I think it's four games, three three out of four with a touchdown. He had a three game touchdown streak earlier in the season too, that, that caught me off guard. Um, I was looking back at his stats, but um, yeah, he's, he's had four five, six targets, you know, basically every one of the last five or six games. And, you know, it's clear that Rogers trusts him. Um, they talked about that on the broadcast tonight, a little bit going back to that, that first touchdown he had against Detroit two years ago on that Monday night game. Um, and how that really kind of established that, that trust with him. So, um, you know, he's, he's getting the, the wide receiver two snaps. Um, he's the guy that's going to be out there when they're in 12 personnel, uh, to to be a blocker when they do go with the run game and so um yeah it's he's he's been fun to watch i'm happy for him and uh it's it's you know it's really a, a boon to this offense to have a guy who can do all the dirty work that he does and still be a legitimate threat in the passing game do you think 
Rodgers has clinched the MVP. Does yes. he have to do anything? I, I looked it no. up, and I think after the game, he's like minus 250, which means, you know, if you're a betting man, like you're still making money if you're you're putting money on Rodgers at this point. I don't know how much money you can actually get down on some of these prop bets, but yeah. um, it yeah. seems like the betting market at least thinks there's a chance Rodgers can lose it. But I just can't imagine, like, unless Burrow breaks the passing record next week, like, <laughs> what else? Who else is even in contention at this point? Because it's not Brady. He almost lost to the Jets. Yeah, Brady's Brady's long gone. And I mean, even even two weeks ago, I thought that you know before Brady had his his awful game against the Saints, I had thought that it was you know whichever team wins the one seed in the NFC, that quarterback's going to get it. I don't. They're not going to give it to Jonathan Taylor, especially with um, the the Colts randomly losing to the Raiders today. Um, I don't. I don't know that there's another really viable candidate uh based on the other candidate would have been like Devontae. yeah i guess Devontae would have been my offensive player of the year vote like he's more yeah he's he's, i I know the cooper cup stats all that stuff look Devontae, i wouldn't trade him for anyone i would not not. i would not trade him for anyone no and and god if it's not a quarterback then it's Devontae, in my opinion yeah and and the the value that those two bring together is just unreal and so Let's let's get those get those vibes going for for bringing back twelve and seventeen next year too while we're at it. We got to the the way that I figured it. It we don't if you're a Packers fan you don't want to hear about the franchise tag at all. The no. franchise tag is bad. It's a bad idea. The franchise tag all it's going to do is give you an overinflated cap hit in 2022. They need to get done a long term deal with Devontae where that that cap hit even if he's getting more money in his bank account immediately. That cap hit is smaller in 2022 so that they could start retaining guys. And then the it's going to balloon. The cap is going to balloon until 2023. And then the new TV yep. money is going to spill in from there. So Exactly. I feel like we talked about this a little bit mid-season. But the, the way you keep him and make it work under the cap is sign him to a big deal with a big old signing bonus. So he gets a crap load of money in year one. And you can spread it out over five years or something. And then you you know, load a bunch of it in a roster bonus or sign or, or, or base salary in 23 and then turn that into a signing bonus and then keep spreading it out. Once the cap balloons in 23 and beyond, that's the way you got to do it. Um, that's the only way I think that you can keep it, keep them, you know, realistically with the, the cap constraints that the Packers have, because if you put the franchise franchise tag on him, you have to account for that $20 million of cap space the instant you sign him to that tag. And the Packers are going to be, I'm not saying it's impossible. There's, you know, there's all those cap machinations that you can do with the void years and stuff now to, to shuffle money around, but in order to keep him and, and use $20 million of cap space on him next year, you are sacrificing a lot. You're probably cutting Billy Turner um, among other, you know, big name players that, that have a ton of those defensive big, guys, Campbell, not coming back. Can, Rasool, nope, not coming Rasool back. Gone. Lowry, you're cutting, Preston, you're cutting Lowry. You're probably getting rid of Preston. Like the Darius, like there's a lot yeah. of decisions to be made. In that so you can, you can manage it if you can find a way to, to work out a long-term deal with him. But uh, yeah, there's you, you're going to have a really tough time fielding a competitive team top to bottom next year. If you put a franchise tag on him. Um, so this this is a stat from Next Gen Stats. Ten of the fourteen carries today for Dylan were inside the tackle box, so inside run. For the season, he's at seventy two percent, which is top in the league um, in terms of the highest percentage, and he has the second best time to line of scrimmage, which basically means like 
<laughs> he is just sprinting to that line. All of those check out to me. Like guy who oh, gets yeah. to the line fast, he's running inside. It's just downhill run game, baby. That's all it is. Well, that's where those yards after contact come into play, right? Like he might not be picking the best hole every time on a carry by because his head basis. is down because they well, need three, right? Yeah, but he's plowing two hundred fifty pounds of man meat into that line and and into the linebackers and and getting six, seven, eight yards of carry damn near every time. Collinsworth God, to loves watch. him. Oh yeah, Collinsworth is in love. He's like, ah, oh, this guy, <laughs> this guy. He's a grounded pound, the outside and the inside guy. He love he loves it. Yep. Um. Do we want to talk about Jordan Love? He made a couple of passes. He actually had a higher yeah. uh, QBR in this game than Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> if you believe it, on, on four pass attempts. I mean, two of four, 19 yards. Um, definitely some accuracy issues on one of them. Uh, uh-huh. One of the incompletions, it was wide open. He missed it, but I don't know. They, they weren't asking him to do the deep shot stuff. Minnesota wasn't really pressuring him because they were also playing backups at that point too. Yep. So it wasn't anything like the Kansas City Chiefs stuff, which is what I think teams would run if, if you know they were trying to win a ball game against Jordan Love so I, I really don't know what to make of it yeah I'm with you um I mean that's the other reason to to keep Rogers reps at a minimum next week when it's a game that doesn't matter because then you get another you know three four quarters of game tape on Jordan Love against you know a, a semi-real NFL defense all apologies to the to the Lions but um, yeah, get get as much tape as you can, and and I certainly, you know, imagine that the coaching staff has loved getting, you know, all these reps for him with the first teamers in practice with Rogers being out you know, during the week with the toe thing. I mean, that's all got to be really valuable reps for him as well. But yeah, translate it to the field, give him you know three four quarters of work on Sunday uh, in a game that that really doesn't matter for obviously for for anything beyond just tape evaluation. It's like gambling uh television contracts and like the very few people who play like fantasy through like week 18 yep that's the only reason this game is being played and if you have a fantasy league that still plays your championship in week 18 like get your shit together come on you're psycho so someone has Devonte adams and he's gonna get 50 yards and it doesn't make sense you've had him fix fix your shit guys yeah um five checks offensively i'll go like Nine out of ten. I mean, they got oh no eight. The the red zone stuff really yep. worries me. I changed yep. my mind. They put up thirty seven, which you know usually you take it. But MVP quarterback, you failed in the red zone three times in a row to start the game. Yep. That's got to be at least two points. Three for seven in the red zone is is the only problem. But again, they they ran the ball down their throats in the second half. Dylan was a beast. Eight out of ten. Someone asked me today if uh, the Jones contract was a mistake and. I think in the grand scheme of things, um, the value add of Jones on his deal versus the value add of being able to like retain a Rasul for like 5 million or something like that, or a Campbell for probably pretty cheap, honestly, or even, you know, being able to get away with a few fewer uh, cap mechanics to retain, you know, Rogers or Devonte or Jair Probably, but like Jones is still pretty good and he's a pretty unique talent. And I think if, J- if, if Dylan was the full-time back, you would still need someone who threatens you on the edge. So there's still, yep. there's still like an open role on the roster. If Jones goes, it's, it's not like, this is very much a committee backfield. It, it's not a backfield yep. that is made by one guy. 
and they both complement each other. So to a certain extent, I get it, but like the milk spilt. So like, what are you, what are you going to do now? Yeah, I, I was, it, it's funny. I was actually looking at the, the cap and things today for 22 when the news broke about uh, the Packers considering using the tag on, on Devante and trying to look back at that Jones contract and how it's structured the next couple of years. I mean, he's only on a $4 million cap hit this year. That's, that's dirt cheap, but then it starts to catch up next year a little bit. It's up to 9 million. And then in 23, when again, we expect the cap to, to grow like crazy. I think it's up to like 12 or 14, something like that. So n- next year is the, the tough season to swallow, I think given that the cap is staying pretty flat. And again, you gotta, you gotta bring those guys back. I would not be surprised at all to see them do a little bit of the same thing that they did this year is shift that to a roster bonus spread as much as they can out into 23 and 24 again, and then revisit it after next year with, you know, with whether or not they can keep him for 23. Um, but yeah, the, the contributions that he brings, I mean, those complementary styles, they really worked well together, especially in this game. I mean, Jones had those two big runs for, I think, 27 and 29 yards. Um, I think I read somewhere too. It was the first game in his career that he's had multiple carries of 25 yards in the same game. He's broken off so many of those big he's ones. He's so slippery. Right? Yeah. He's broken off so many big touchdowns over the years, but um, yeah, I think that was, that was what I saw that he'd never had multiple 25 yard carries in the same game. Um, and, and both of them are so good out of the backfield as receivers. I think that's, that's so, um, you know, we certainly don't underrate it as Packers fans, but um, it's such a value add to this offense to have both of those guys that you can run uh, and, and they're great in blitz pickup too, right? Um, literally every phase of the game that you, know, you don't have to change your playbook for either of those guys um, in the passing game at all, which is great. And I think, again, Patrick Taylor isn't getting a lot of snaps, but I, that's something that Patrick Taylor can do. And yeah. the fact he that they good. sat on him. He for, looked good a little bit in his, his late game action today too. Right. He just, he doesn't get the reps is the yep. thing, but you know, they sat on that guy who had an injury coming out of college and they knew like this guy is talented as, you know, he should have been a draft pick, but because of injury, he's going to sit on a practice squad until December of his rookie year. So, yep. or not even be able to practice on the practice squad until December of his rookie year. So shouts to the, uh, shouts to the front office. Once again, I think the front office has definitely come, come big. We're full blown. Like, oh, yeah. I, I believe in Gutekunst. I believe in, you know, Russ ball, like, just keep it going. Just keep it going. Don't don't let them walk out of the door. Hundred percent. And if they can find a way to get Rasul and or Devondre back, even getting one of those two guys back for next year would be huge. Huge. I think. Huge. Huge. Um, defensively, speaking of corners, Kevin King, he's in at dime. He is yes. replace Henry Black and dime looks. That was something that they started doing against the Baltimore Ravens. Then obviously against Cleveland. Kevin King uh, got put into the reserve COVID list like right before game time too. So we don't know what their game plan was going into that one, but this was kind of like the moment where it was like, all right, are they going to do the King stuff again? Like they did against Baltimore. Or was that something that they ran specifically for Baltimore or is Henry black going to come back in and be the dime guy? And it was King. And I think King did a pretty good job. They have him matching up a lot of times with like guys out of the backfield. They Mm -hmm. actually put Campbell on the tight end. Um, and I know most people would think like, Hey, you put the corner on the tight end, you put the linebacker on the running back. They did it the other way around. And King was doing a pretty good job of, uh, getting guys out of the backfield. He, he popped, uh, Mannion on like that third down scramble. Yeah. Where he was just waiting at the sticks and he's like, Nope, the, this is the wall. The wall gets set right <laughs> here and I'm going to hit you. 
Yeah, it's I wonder if that was a little bit of a matchup thing because of the limitations that Tyler Conklin has. Like he's not a Travis Kelsey type. He's not that, you know, receiver playing a tight end position type like a Zach Ertz or one of those guys. I wonder if, you know, if the Packers run into those guys in the playoffs, if if that's flipped a little bit and they have King on the tight end instead and, and Devondre on the on the, the running back. Um, and especially again, Delvin Cook's a great run, uh, receiver out of the backfield as well. So um, I do wonder if some of that was a little matchup based, but um, yeah, I think King King is the dime back is probably here to stay at least until uh, Jair comes back and then, you know, knock on wood that, that he makes it back. Um, whether that's potentially next week, uh, if he, if he gets cleared from COVID and uh, you know, is ready to go, or if that's divisional round um, gotta be great to have him back though. It would be interesting to see who they put in the slot because you would think yeah. King King is a guy who's always played outside. He basically has never played in the slot. And he's a big body guy who often turns guys loose. And I guess it helps him in the middle of the field because if you turn a guy loose, there's usually a safety over top of you. But he's always a guy that I thought because of his length and stuff, like you want him using the sideline as an extra defender, right. kind of like you know Richard Sherman and those guys do. But I guess if you're moving away from that cover three where you're thinking about, you know, zones and using the sideline as a defender like that. Maybe you do want him in the slot and matching up against bigger guys. And if Jair can come back and it's Jair and Kevin King in the slot with Russell Douglas and uh, Eric Stokes outside, like that is a pretty damn good dime package. That damn is right. pretty damn good. Jeez. That'll work. That's tough to pass on the, the yeah. tight ends as it stands right now. Philadelphia is the seventh seed. San Francisco is the sixth seed. Arizona is the five. Dallas is the four. Tampa is the three. LA is the two. I'm not, I, I know the Rams and Cowboys do throw the tight ends, but in terms of like individual talents, they don't really have the guys who like worry you like that. It's really Gronk right. for Tampa, Ertz for Arizona, Kittle for San Francisco, and then Goddard for Philadelphia. Who I, I don't play uh, like uh, redraft fantasy, so I don't know how good Goddard's been doing this year, but like, that, there's a reason why they were able to trade Ertz. Like Goddard, Goddard's very good. He's yes. an actual tight end that puts his hand in the dirt. He run blocks and he can get after it in the passing game. That guy is like a full blown tight end. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think he's he's had a really nice season. I'm looking it up real quick. Um, yeah, he's over 750 receiving yards this season at 50. And he was splitting time with Ertz for until the deadline. For, right? Yeah, the like first the month and a half before. of the season or so. So um, yeah, he's got 200 yard games in the last month too. So yeah, he's, he's a major weapon in that offense. So, um, and, and doing that from the, the conventional, you know, online tight end position is you know, something not a lot of these guys are doing. The defense looked to me like they were just sitting in too high all game. Mm-hmm. And they were like, look, you can try to run it at us, but what you're not going to do is play action. Like you're yeah. not, you're just simply not, we're not going to give up the play action shot. Um, Justin Jefferson, had a couple plays, um, that scoring drive where they got the field goal. He, he made some plays, but, like, he was kind of absent, you know? It, it wasn't yep. like that first Vikings matchup where Jefferson, Thielen, and, and Cook put up, like, 360 yards or something like that against this yep. Packers team. Well, the, the, they only had one completion longer than 25 yards in the game, and the only other one longer than 20 yards was that ridiculous play to the, to the, oh, to the guard, Garrett, Brad, yeah. Garrett Bradbury, um, after, after Adrian Amos lights up Tyler Conklin over the middle. Um, yeah, that was, that was one of their two passing plays over 20 yards in this game. 
That was ridiculous. Oh Adrian Amos, that was a clean hit. Yep. That was very painful. That hurt the guy oh. a lot. That was the one where, like, you look around, you're like, was that a flag? Because we're all conditioned yeah. now to, like, hard hit equals flag. And then mm-hmm. they slowed it down. You're like, nope. He just, like, he went through that guy's sternum. He went through that guy's sternum, and the ball bounced up, and it landed in the offensive lineman's hand. It, it, it was, reminded it, me of – the way the ball flew reminded me of that Henry Black fumble last year against the Houston, Houston. game, like, right at the end of that game. Um, just that, it, you know, it goes flying 12 feet in the air. Um, but yeah, for, for Bradbury to, I mean, he picked it off the turf too. Like that was, that was almost easy to ground. Yeah. He's all he the, like RES, like yep. the mock draftable spider web stuff. He's, he's yeah. a freak athlete. Yeah, it was funny so. too, because he wanted it. He realized uh-huh. that was his sports movie moment <laughs> and the four DBs around him did not realize he, his mentality was like that. Yep. They, they, they converge on him. Two of them are wrapping him up. And then one of them pulls off. He is like head down. Like I am yep. still going, I'm getting every yard out of this. And then you see the other three DBs who are not engaged with him realizing slowly, like, Oh shit, we got to get this done? guy on the ground. Like, yep. <laughs> this guy it wants was, this. It, it reminded me of the Dan Connolly moments in the, the Patriots game yep. um, in 2010. So hopefully that's a good omen. It seemed to me like they were playing more games with the linebackers. I thought that mm-hmm. that would come from Burks. It did not come from Burks. It looked yeah. it looked like they were dropping down Barnes and Campbell to the line of scrimmage a whole lot more than they usually do. That's something that I'm I'm probably going to do a, a study in the run game this upcoming week. Because let's be real, are we are we actually going to preview this uh, Lions game? I, I don't <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Other than uh, you know, just chase chase the records, chase whatever yep. records you want, and then get out. Um, Dalvin Cook, twelve touches for thirteen yards. Woo, this was a different Vikings game than the first time around. Wow. Man. Yeah, that guy's burned this team, this Packers team so many times in the past. And and to see him set a season low in yardage was shocking. And and doing it with, like you said, sitting in too high the whole time. I mean, this defensive line dominated the line of scrimmage for most of this game. There were so many three and outs, too. And that's yeah, that goes back to the point of is this defensive line, is, is this defensive front really? Because we're counting the linebackers too. Are they good against the run or are they not? And it very much comes down to like, well, how fast, how long have they been on the field? You know, how, yeah. how, how much wear do they have? And getting those like, I think there was four three and outs in a row. Um, yep. Just getting off of the field, man, saves those guys so much. Like how, how often was Tipa out there this week? Not very often, I don't think. I don't remember seeing him at all until maybe the last drive of the game or the second to last drive when they pulled most of the starters. Right. And he was playing 15 snaps and Garvin was playing like 15 yep. snaps, like a game the last couple of weeks, you know? So that's something to be very cognizant about. Mm-hmm. It's not just about, can we stop these guys? What is their yards per attempt or whatever? How many yards per play are they getting? How long have they been on the, how many blows have these guys taken? Because yeah. Can you get them very, off the field quickly? Right. right. The depth, there's not that much, you know, beyond the starters at this point with how the, this roster is structured. Um, yeah. Looking at just looking at the snap counts. I mean, I think it's it's got Minnesota with like 52 offensive plays. That's not the Packers 74. And and yeah, I mean, Kenny Clark's played more than 60 offensive snaps or defensive snaps on like four or five different games this year. Um, 52 is under the season average, I think, for both Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. So to, to have those guys have that type of workload, um, to your point, getting off the field quickly, getting a chance to, to recuperate a little bit and, and get fresh for the next series has got to be huge for, for that lack of depth. 
what a wild game plan from Minnesota where you have 11 carries, 27 yards, 14 of them come from Sean Mannion scrambles and you're not doubling Devontae. So you're not running the ball. You're not doubling Devontae. You're putting it on the shoulders of Sean Mannion to win a shootout with Aaron Rodgers basically throwing on air to Devontae. Like, I still think that Mike Zimmer is fundamentally a good coach, um, but the Vikings have to move on from him at this point, right? Like the fans seem like they're right up. Like you go into the like replies and stuff to anything the Vikings post, and it's like Zimmer hate twenty four seven. So yeah, I don't know. Just be worried, man. Be worried about (laughs) what comes after Zimmer because Zimmer's a damn good football coach, and exactly. The Vikings haven't been a laughing stock or anything. I just think that they haven't had the quarterback. So, yep. And they made some dumb decisions on the offensive yeah. line, certainly. Yeah. The one other thing on the defense that I want to mention is just, I mean, kind of along that same line, Minnesota went two for 12 on third down. Um, this defense got off the field in this game. And it wasn't all just third and longs either. I mean, nope. there were a couple of third and shorts, third and threes, third and fours um, that they were able to get some stops, uh, both against the run and, and in the passing game, too. So that's um, that's a great sign for for this unit. I, I was really paying attention to like down and distance and personnel in this game just because I was like very cognizant of the Kevin King in dime type of thing. And I wanted to kind of touch on that. So I, I they really do draw a line like second and five or third and five. They're going to play their base nickel, whatever it is, however yep. you line up third and six. It's like a, a switch flips and they're just like, nope, dime time. <laughs> Dime time. You're going to have to pass. It, it's yeah. funny. Um, let's go. I'll go. Uh, I mean, they basically didn't give up any rushing yards and they played a backup quarterback. I'll give them a uh, nine out of 10. Cause we got to give the yeah. defense more credit than the offense. Right. We have not, the, the only reason it's a nine and not a 10 is because they didn't force a turnover. I think, um, which was a little oh, wow. surprising to me, but uh, yeah, no, t- no takeaways, but like you said, like, four straight three and outs in the first half. I think they had like six total in this game. Um, you can't ask, you can't ask for anything more than that. Barnes almost had that pick six when Mon- oh. he dropped that one. He was I so close. Bad. I know that was a little bit behind him, but uh, yeah, he's, he, he's going to dream about that one for a while. I had forgotten about it. That's probably why uh, Mont got benched <laughs> after three plays. They were like, Oh, nope, I'm done with this. Oh, that's right. That was a month throw. That was on that series. Wasn't it? Yeah. Uh huh. Special teams, David Moore. He was uh, signed this week after, you know, they worked out the CFL guy. It got all the headlines. Apparently, they didn't like the CFL guy enough because they brought in David Moore, who used to play for the Seahawks, uh, notably. He got he got a deal with, like, the Panthers. I think he was in with another team this uh, offseason, too. Yeah. But he, he got, like, a two-year, uh, like, $6 million contract. The Panthers just straight up cut him. Um, he was out there on the street. He ended up – he got signed on Thursday – is the starting kick returner and punt returner today. And he did a pretty good job at the very good. least. I don't want to see Amari on punts anymore. Amari can yep. return kicks. I don't want to see him on punts, period. 100%. Yeah, it, it looked so much more comfortable back there. Um, it just kind of looked like he knew what he was doing. And I think he had the longest punt return of the year for this yep. team with a 21 or 22 yarder. Um, it's this, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go full you know, Tyler Irvin, but this kind of feels like a little bit of a Tyler Irvin moment. It does. It does look at least for the special teams. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to do do much with him on offense, but uh, yeah, this no, no glaring issues from the special teams at all. And, and on the return game, like he looked solid. I'll take it. 
I liked it. I liked it. I, I don't think Amari is a bad kick returner. When he's been in there as a kick returner, mm-hmm. he's fared a whole lot better than him as a punt returner. But, like, Moore was fielding balls that, like, went over his shoulder and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. okay, this dude has hand. Like, he's this is what he's built to do. And if it's playoff time, man, we got roles to do. We're done talking about having guys on the bench for development, et cetera. Like, oh, yeah. if you're on the team, you got to play. And if Moore can play and he's your best punt returner, do not move away from him until then. Um, LeFleur said after the game, you know, they, that there's, you know, an open competition everywhere, basically. So he didn't rule out, you know, Amari not not being the starter. And that is kind of a different change of tune than he had previously this year, where he's like, that's our guy. And, you know, Marie Strayton says that that's our guy. So that's what we're going to do. Um, ho- hopefully when Amari comes back, David Moore at the very least is our punt returner. Yep. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, we touched the, uh, Bajorquez bobbled hold already. That wasn't good. The Bajorquez yeah. shank. That was also not mm. good. There was that blown call. Yeah. Uh, oh. Stokes, he, he blocked someone into more allegedly on the punt return. He, he gave up with like three steps. Yeah. I don't know that. I think that was a bad call. I agree. I, I think that the guy clearly could have avoided running into to more. I, and I thought it was actually a, a nifty little move by Moore Cause it looked like he broke on the ball late um to almost try to draw that contact a little bit um i don't know if they i'm sure they didn't factor that in much when they were throwing that call but or throwing the flag but uh yeah that that was that was iffy at best and and i definitely think that that flag shouldn't have been thrown or should have been thrown and and should have maintained a penalty they squibbed it to equinamia st brown (laughs) on one of the final kick returns um it was like the same area as that. Who was it? Like Garvin and like Patrick Taylor. Was that like yeah, the area yes. that they they recovered or they had like that weird exchange where basically they could have caught it like three times and, right. and they let it through a couple of weeks ago, but they had different players out there. And I don't know if that was them seeing on film, like, Oh, if we squib it to this area, maybe they have trouble uh, fielding the ball, but they had different guys in. So I don't know if it was that type of situation or if it was just, we don't want the ball in David Moore's hand after he had that punt return. But hey, man, if they're kicking away from David Moore in game one, dude, keep him out there. Absolutely, hundred percent. Another, another, another oh, I was just gonna say another good find. Um, you know, early returns at least are good on on that one. So, kudos to to Goody once again on you know grabbing. Goody should somebody. win Executive of the Year. Yes, and it should shouldn't be a debate. Like I agreed. I understand the people who want Lafleur to win Coach of the Year. I think. Um, who is it? Chris and I have differing opinions on this, and that's totally fine. But I, I just, in general, I think two of the losses can be put on Lafleur's shoulders between Kansas City, them not adapting fast enough, and New Orleans not fa- adapting fast enough. You can't point to a move that Goop made that hasn't been good outside of yeah. the Cobb trade, maybe. And that was General Manager Aaron Rodgers who made that. that well, even stuff. even honestly, Cobb has played well when he's been healthy too. I mean, yeah. he's been a third down. He's just making like eight million, eight million a year. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. But um, you know, yeah, no, there's there's every one of these moves has worked out. How many of these guys has he pulled off a practice squad or pulled off a street? And um, I mean, you can't say enough about again, Campbell, Rasul, um, and if David Moore solidifies the return game a little bit, then that just goes further to bolster his case i mean dennis kelly's starting at right tackle right now yeah. he signed off at the street um nyman was a guy anyone could have signed him at some point when he was on the practice squad no one mm-hmm. wanted him in green bay 
Uh, let me think about other guys. I mean, Alan Lazard was a guy who was pulled off of the practice squad in Jacksonville. Yep. Tyler Davis is another guy who was just pulled off recently, you know, from the practice squad in Indianapolis. Like he, I mean, he has nailed it. He has and imagine if, if, if Whitney Merciless hasn't get, gotten hurt, right? Yep. Um, we could be talking about him as a, another one of these big time, you know, mid season additions. Um, yeah, certainly he would have been a, a nice boost to that, that depth on the edge as well. So yeah, it's, it's been a tremendous season for, for Goody. Um, he deserves all the accolades coming his way and yeah, fingers crossed that, uh, for his sake that executive of the year is is in the bag for him absolutely um special teams vibes just to tie a bow on this i'll go uh we're going seven out of ten the bobbled hold i don't like it everything else is very good yeah i'm 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 going six only because the the shank by that's Boho true. knocks it down a little bit um, but just to feel like there's a guy competent back there on punts right now, um, no matter what else happened today. And, and again, most of the rest of the, the, you know, field goal operation was pretty good aside from the bobble hold. Um, so yeah, six, six still feels about right. It's, it's not hurting us. Um, and that's about all I can ask for after this season that we've had. Yeah. The seven, the seven might've been just me just a little too high on, uh, the David Moore supply. Yeah. Right there. Oh, and I get it. I get it. Believe me. Uh little little recency bias. I can completely see where you're coming from there. <laughs> um, so this week, uh keep a eye out for you know, hopefully news on Bakhtiari, Turner, um, Zadarius, Jair Alexander. I feel like we do this every week. There was no big injuries in this game. Um, Aaron Rodgers says he's healthier than he's ever been. So hopefully from the injury perspective it's only going up from here and throughout the buy at least um anything else to add tex no just um man it feels good to to have this locked in with a week to go and and to get a little bit of time to hopefully get some of the key players rest up recuperate a little bit um you know maybe get Jair back and get him a couple snaps to get back up to game speed uh should be fun and you know we'll see in about three weeks for some meaningful football again the Packers right now, 538, 27% chance to win the Super Bowl. There's only Ooh. three teams with 10% or higher. Oh, boy. We got to beat the Bucks. We got to beat yep. Tom Brady. Eyes on the prize. All yep. right. Thanks, go guys. Go Pack Go.